0: you're listening to the welcome to babylon podcast a discussion about living and loving like jesus in the midst of a post-christian culture let's get started hey everybody and welcome to episode two of the welcome to babylon podcast i'm your host keith caps along with pastor josh Tompkins, next gen pastor here at crossgate church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. How's it going, Josh? It's good to be here, Keith. Hey, great to have you. I'm not really sure what a next gen pastor is, but I'm <laughs> sure you'll tell us a little more.
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> no one knows what it means, but it's good.
0: Hey, that's awesome. Well, you you haven't been here that long, a little over a year, right?
1: Right. I think we're
0: about a year year and four months, maybe five. But okay. we're pretty new, yeah. Awesome. Well, we uh, we certainly love having you here at Crossgate. And just a few fun facts about Pastor Josh. Uh, originally from the West Coast, mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in Phoenix where apparently you were shot at and had several <laughs> guns pulled on you.
1: Uh, it's just Phoenix, yeah. That's oh. all true. <laughs> okay,
0: sounds like a very appealing place to visit. <laughs> you bring your family. <laughs> uh, so a little, another little known fact is that you, you went from the big city of Phoenix to... A farm in Arkansas. So you're, yeah. you're a farmer. Farmer Josh.
1: I, I think it would be more accurate to say my wife is a farmer. Okay. I just uh, attend and help the farmer. It, would that be called like a I, or? farmer s? F- I farmer Farmer-sire? I don't know. I'm not sure what I would call myself in this situation.
0: So when you say you live on a farm, what does that look like? Is this like corn or chickens it- <laughs> or both?
1: So for us, I mean, we we got in, and I, went, I think we went full Arkansas pretty quick. So aside from renovating the house, we got chickens right away. Uh, we now have goats. Uh, we're apparently getting pigs. I learn these things as we kind of go along. Uh, we have rabbits, lots of cats, dogs. Uh, and uh, Kathleen's got a huge, huge garden
0: going. Hey,
1: speaking of
0: pigs, have you yet learned how to call the hogs? I <laughs>
1: I have heard of this and I have not learned how to call the
0: hogs. It it seems quite intimidating and scary to me. Okay. So what you're saying is you're not prepared to call the hogs on this podcast.
1: Right. That that would be correct. As I as I've grown up a ASU uh, and U of A, University of Arizona fan. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, challenge accepted. In a future episode, (laughs) we're going to have Pastor Josh call the hogs for all you Arkansas fans out there. Hey, so we're here to talk about uh, the podcast (laughs) and uh, the message series that we're doing, Welcome to Babylon. And so this past Sunday, um, you preached a great message entitled Truth in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And man, that was incredible. And we want to get into that and talk a little more about that. Um, But before we do, you know, I want to talk about the why behind the message. Why do we even need a message about truth? Right. Um, Well, you know, I got to thinking a phrase that has become wildly popular in recent years is this, live your truth. Mm. And Josh, I've heard this from celebrities and politicians, Mm. even some faith based teachers, but it seems to speak to this idea that each individual gets to kind of choose what's true and what's not true. Right. And at the same time, there comes this posture with it that seems to say, nobody can tell me what is true or not true. I decide that for myself. So as a next-gen pastor who's dealing with students and the next generation, um, you're pretty familiar with the current culture. Is mm-hmm. this something that you're seeing? And if so, why is it so concerning?
1: So certainly, yeah. And I do appreciate that faith-based wasn't quotes that nobody could see when we're talking about faith-based teachers. Um, so yeah, with with this generation, this has become kind of their mantra, and I think it's very uh, reminiscent of what we see in 1 Corinthians, like, you know, what's right for me is right for me, um, as long as it's legal, it's moral. And this generation has kind of fallen under that similar banner. And so we have, um, at least in what I do, I've talked with a lot of students in a lot of college that really fall under that, that truth is defined by... Whatever they're feeling in the moment. And so, whatever I feel, um, it's, you know, the I feel, therefore, I am, or I feel, therefore, this equates to uh, my truth. And so, it becomes concerning because truth is very subjective and could change. And we definitely see that in our culture today, where, you know, even science is being refuted based on a person's personal beliefs. And so, with students, uh, we saw this last week. Last week, Pastor Phil made a reference to uh, you know this this kind of unfortunate ethical decline, where we were even to start to see like drag queens in full drag uh, reading in public libraries to children, uh, very young children. And I started poking around to several of my students about what did you think about what Pastor Phil said. And we had some students that were like, "Well, yes, we see this as wrong." But I had many students who said, "Well, we didn't understand why this was wrong um, because those people still need a, a place, a uh, a position to be." And so we started. We had to start walking back of like, "All right, let's talk about the ethical, biblical concerns that we have here and what is truth." And it really reminds me of John. Um, there's a verse, John seventeen seventeen, where it says, "Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth." And for those of us who really profess to be Christians, the idea is we're, we're sanctified. We are set apart because of the truth of God. So we are culturally supposed to be different from the rest of the world. Um, and then the question comes, if we're sanctified in truth, who's truth? And that's where John's very specific. It's your word. It is scripture that is truth. And so for these students, what's beautiful about this generation and gets me excited is they are hungry for truth. So if I can go back and explain here is why, not just force-feed you and tell you, well, this is wrong. If I come back and explain and have that one-on-one adult conversation of this is why uh, this particular issue we see as ethically wrong, we base it completely on the authority of Scripture, students are way more acceptable of that because they're brought in into discussion, uh, they see it from the viewpoint of scripture, and they're able to really struggle with uh, a lot of what the biblical concepts are. And that's maybe not the full remedy, but that's my—that's um, really the hope I see in this generation: is that they're hungry for it.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Um, and obviously, there comes a big problem when the concept of truth becomes relative to the individual, because at that point. There is no truth. Right. Um, You know, but like you said, as Christians, we believe that there is such thing as absolute truth and that it, like you said, is found in God's Word, um, the Bible. So that's really good. And, you know, Sunday you preached a really great message um, and explored why the Bible can be trusted, because we don't want to just say, hey, the Bible is truth, um, because the next question is obviously going to be, well, why? Like, right. How do we know that the Bible is truth? Um, and so your message really dug deep into why we can trust the Bible. And I would encourage all of our listeners, you know, if they haven't yet, to go back and to listen or watch um, that message on our social media channels or crossgate.org. It was really good, but for those who maybe haven't watched it or listened to it yet, or maybe they just need a refresher, could you give us just a 3,000-foot overview of why we believe that the Bible is, in fact, words God, uh, the Word of God and true?
1: So to clarify, I gave a 3,000-foot view at that message, and you're asking for an additional 3,000 <laughs> yeah, so feet I guess it would be 6, So 000. summarize all of church history in 40 minutes, but now summarize it into... Sure. <laughs> uh so I mean I'll just I'm gonna quickly go through my point. So I walk through like one, we we distrust the Bible because of our own sin. So we see this in Genesis one, where even after God had spoken to Adam and uh Eve takes of the fruit, and you got that question from from Satan himself is Did God really say? And we still struggle with that question even today? Like, did God really actually say that, and then we don't take him at his word for it? So we have our own sin. Uh, The biggest thing is the Bible claims authority on its own. If it didn't do that, then we couldn't aspire authority to it. So both in Old Testament and New Testament, you see um, authority coming out of Scripture, Um, but even further than that, you see Jesus really doubling down and talking about how um, Scripture is the Word of God, and he equates it to, and he has a very high view of Scripture. So we have our sin, we have the Bible claims authority, uh, we talked about how the Bible is historically accurate, like there has not been a archaeological discovery that disproves uh, the Bible in any way. If anything, it proves the opposite, it, it shows the Bible is historically accurate. Um, but, but A couple extra points I didn't put in the sermon is, like, you had David and Abraham were both thought to be mythological like people like they didn't exist. this was all an allegory to describe a, you know particular people or story of God until archaeological discoveries to show you know there is a house of David. Abraham was referenced in several areas. Um, so this just kept proving and proving uh, who who God is. Uh, we had the authors were were trustworthy. And I think the biggest example of that is that they were willing to give their lives for something that they believed in. If they knew it was false, it doesn't logically make sense that they would be martyred in such a way that they were. Uh, we talked about the unity of the Bible, that the Bible is just this um, It is this vast uh, assembly of church history spanning thousands of years, compacted into these books uh, but it all has one unified message, and you don't see that anywhere else, really, in literature. Uh, our sixth point was original documents are accurate. We, we talked about how we can look at what we have found in, uh, for instance, the Dead Sea Scrolls and compare it with copies of today. And we're talking about, like, a less than 1% degree in inaccuracy. So we talked about textual variations and a bunch of nerdy stuff that I got really excited about. Uh scientific knowledge before its time uh, that the Bible uh, you know was ahead of its time in matters of the body in the ocean in the cosmos in just nature uh, we talked about prophecies being fulfilled both in Old Testament uh, but mostly through the prophecies of Christ uh, the coming of the Messiah and how Jesus fulfilled all of these and that certainly, a litmus test of the Bible is if these prophecies don't come true or are proven false, then you would you would remove those, uh, but yet all of these have proven to come true. Uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit work and the canonization of Scripture, uh, which is again a large amount of Church history, but how that came together and how the Holy Spirit protected uh, the work of God is is just huge, and then our pretty much the last point was it really all came down to how we we trust God and that there's a need to trust God. Um, Christianity, as I've always told my students, it's not a blind faith; that there is a lot of logic and intelligence that is backed behind it, and I think that's very intentional of oh God.
0: Yeah, man, those are some really great points, and you know, I'm thinking about. I spent some time with Lifeway and used to help people find Bibles, um, and we would get a lot of questions about the Bible that we have today. Um, and one of the biggest questions that we would get most often was, hey, you know, there are so many different versions of the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, when I look, you know, they all seem to say a little bit different things. How do I know which one is right? How do I know which one's the most accurate? Which one is the real word of God? So, can you explain a little bit about you know what we're seeing when we see you know different translations of the Bible we have today?
1: Yeah, and so that's a big distinction is when we're talking about the Bible, we're talking about the original documents that we have. So, for instance, you and I, we have a translation of the Bible, which is a translation of the Greek, uh, the Hebrew, and a little bit, a little bit of the Aramaic. So there are. Tons of different translations, and to ask which one is right, well, it depends, right? So uh, your translations can can kind of vary. From there are pretty liberal. Uh, versions of translations where they're not going word for word, but they're taking the grander scheme of whatever's in the sentence or whatever's in the chapter. Uh, but then you have pretty word-for-word word translations. Uh, I think your ESV, so English Standard Version, your CSB, Christian Standard Version, these are um, good examples of a document where these researchers went back and compared the original text to translate. So it is, it's important to note that When a Bible is translated, this is not a quick process, it's normally about five to eight years for a Bible to be translated that you have. So when they did the CSB, a lot of my professors were a part of that, um, they said it was about an eight-year process for that to come together, because they're going back to the original Greek, the original Hebrew, and they're coming into all the discussions of how do we translate. So. It, that's why we have so many different ones, is because we have the Word of God trying to reach different people groups. Like, my CSB is not going to look like um, you know uh, missionaries that I was meeting in uh, Morocco that are translating it into Moroccan language. So that's why you see variations, but it's not to say that one is totally wrong.
0: Okay, that's great, great information And you know you talked about the original manuscripts um, and you kind of touched on this in the message. so there, there's a point that we that we believe and the Bible teaches that God inspired um, his word. We know that um, but there's a difference in inspiration and preservation. Um, so can you talk about what what is that difference and why does that matter to understand that? right so, Inspiration,
1: the, um, the theological term or the the uber nerdy is the plenary inspiration theory, which really comes down to—it's the, the question of how did the Holy Spirit communicate to these authors, right? Was it he guided, like he grabbed hold of the hand and they wrote it? Was it he spoke to them and they wrote down exactly what they, what they said? Was it through a dream? And I really think you have scholars that kind of go back and forth on this, so you have some that are pretty extreme— And I would say I'm within the middle of it It depends on the author. Like, let's take the book of Revelation. John is seeing this vision take place, and he's trying to write down what is happening. So it's a work of the Spirit, as John's describing. This is the vision I'm seeing of the the end times. You have ones like Jeremiah, which we're currently going through, who is writing word for word through the Holy Spirit the very words of God, but also in Jeremiah you have his reply, you have his accounting of what happened after that, so that's the Holy Spirit working through him through his personal experience that he's writing down. So there's there's inspiration where the Holy Spirit is working through the author, and then preservation is kind of what we saw through um, protecting the Scriptures throughout time, that we've gotten to this point in human history uh, you know, 2,000-plus years, and our original documents are still intact. Um, you don't see this anywhere else in ancient literature. Um, you see a lot of discrepancy, uh, yet our our canon, our Scripture, has remained intact and protected, and that's not even to throw in uh, all the history of people trying to destroy uh, the very Word of God. And it, all of these have proven to be very unsuccessful, and you see the Holy Spirit's work in that. And I do... I do remember in the sermon, kind of going over, this makes logical sense, uh, because we see the preservation of Israel, we see the preservation of the Davidic line, uh, we see the, the preservation of Abraham, we see the preservation of the early Church, um, so it's, it's really easy to see the Holy Spirit preserving uh, the texts as well.
0: Man, that's really good and really great stuff there. And, you know, you've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit and His role in inspiring and preserving the Word of God, but the Spirit still plays a role today in how we as believers engage the Bible, right? Because, you know, I hear people from time to time say, you know, I just don't understand the Bible or I don't find it interesting. Like, what would you say to those folks and the importance of the Holy Spirit as we engage the Bible today? So one...
1: Um, and I, I actually just recently had this with a, a student who kind of admitted, like, you know, we're walking through James. He's like, I don't, I don't understand any of this. And I said, okay, well, let's let's take a step back. And first, one, we have to remember we have to approach Scripture without uh, arrogance, or our own assumptions. And so, you know, the simple question of, are you when you go to Scripture, do you start in prayer? Do you, do you take time to kind of remove yourself from the distractions and focus in? The student's like, well, no, not really. And I said, okay, well, we have to approach the Scripture with that type of mentality. God, reveal your, your will to me. Open, like, pour out your Scripture to me. Uh, and when we do that, I think we're more susceptible to God communicating through His Word. Now, let's be honest. For reading Lamentations, Keith that's a hard book or for reading the the genealogy of Jesus and you're like okay can we can we skip through <laughs> cuz this is a little hard how does this how does this relate to me and um one of the things i tell my students if you're if you're stuck in what is the bible saying here i get really stuck cuz i find this quote boring my normal response to that is the deeper you are in community with other believers the better that will be and so we have to start training ourselves to ask questions. And I think a lot of people see these confusing story arcs in the Bible, or uh, they see a certain scenario, and they're like, I don't I don't get that, and they move on. And the idea is like, no, if you don't understand that, dive deeper. Ask what's going on here. Reach out to a pastor. Do a little extra study, because the there's such a deep history of what's happening in these story arcs. Um, that you don't want to miss it, and there's a there's a solid truth that's there. Uh, so one is just approaching it in prayer, and I think two is, is asking questions and not being af- afraid of just kind of diving deeper and learning more.
0: That's really great. Thanks so much for sharing that. Well, we're about out of time for today, but before we go, I want to try and bring this down to the everyday lives of our listeners. You know, you actually opened up the message talking about Um, how God finally had the attention of the Israelites when he spoke through his prophet Jeremiah. They were finally ready to listen to the voice of truth. And today we have so many voices competing for our attention, Josh. right? Social media, business ads, politics, friends, family, you name it. And quite honestly, sometimes it's hard to know what's true and what isn't. So in the midst of all of that chaos... How can we make sure that we're consistently hearing God's voice above all the others?
1: right? And that that is a great, great question. So I mean this this sounds like a rehearsed pastoral question <laughs> or uh, answer them about to give, but but the reality is simple is you you do that by simply setting aside and we saw that in John 17, right? like sanctify them in truth is you are setting aside time, intentional time, to be in God's Word. For me, that's normally in the mornings before I watch the news, um, where I'm giving God a significant chunk of my time to speak into my life, to pour into my life, so that as I go into the world and engage with social media and businesses and all the other things, that's that's already saturated for me in God's Word, and so I can have a god a God view of it in that sense. and I can apply scripture to those situations, so those situations trying to adapt uh, my own particular view. So really, it's it's about having that intentional time. If you're not act like intentionally actively listening for God's voice, then you're not going to hear it. You're going to hear every other voice trying to grasp your attention.
0: Man, that's so good, and intentionality is the key word there, intentional yes. time. Hey, well, we are out of time for today. Josh, thank you so much for being with us. Really enjoyed it, enjoyed that message, and I uh, would encourage everyone to tune in next week for our third installment of the Welcome to Babylon series. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Welcome to Babylon podcast, a ministry of Crossgate Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. To learn more, visit us on our website, crossgate.org, or on all of our social media channels.